One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- a Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Clues. Underwear drawers. They're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because... Those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. Mm. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. 
first and foremost, I just want to thank all of you. I want to thank all of you for, um, for just the kind words, the encouragement, positivity, some of the stories, some of your guys' stories are absolutely incredible. I, I could only, I wish I could be half the human that you guys are. Um, it's been inspiring. Um, the banter has been hilarious. You guys, some of the memes just absolutely kill me. They're hilarious. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, there's going to be some crazy memes after today with what they had me wearing and making me look like I'm obsessed with my mom. Whatever. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and today is Thursday. That means this is Twibbon. This week in Bachelor Nation, we're going to give you some deep, deep screams from the deepest part of the pit. We're going to give you all those beautiful parasocial plays that our players are making off the field today. We're going to give you those gains. We're going to give you that news. We're going to give you a state of the world, of course. But before we get to any of that, we got some business And a creature. Oh, there is a parasocial creature this week. That is true. There's a parasocial creature. But we have a little bit of business to discuss. Of course, we have our book available for pre-order, How to Win the Bachelor. If you're a prospective player out there listening to this, you need to read this book before you go into the game. It is going to give you an invaluable advantage over any other player who has not read it. We also have our Huju shirt now available. You can go to bonfire.com slash Huju to pick up this wearable celebration of the most beautiful part of our game, the subsport of the Huju. And of course, we're trying to win one of those People's Choice Podcast Awards. <laughs> so <laughs> please go to <laughs> podcastawards.com and you can nominate us to become... Uh, it basically works like this. Right now, any podcast can go there and they can have their listeners try to get them into the formal nomination. So right now you can go there and find us in the main category of like best podcast overall. And then also we're in the TV film category. If we get enough votes in this round, we will then move on to the formal nominations, which I think are 10 podcasts in each category. And then there will be a whole other wave of voting, which we will also ask you to help us with. (laughs) Don't worry. Uh, We'll tell you when that happens. But we want to win. We want to walk across that stage, collect mm-hmm. our award, and say, praise the pit. The pit provides. We need to be able to do that on stage, and we need your help to do it. So hopefully the pit will provide us with an award. We deserve it. But that is all the business we have up top, and now it's time to initiate this week in Bachelor Nation by doing our segment called State of the World, where we discuss some larger piece of news out in the world, and then we tell you exactly how it's related to our beloved game because, of course, we know all things are. This is Game of Roses. State of the World. A new documentary came out recently about the life of the late Anthony Bourdain called Roadrunner. The director, Morgan Neville, revealed that he contracted a software company to make an AI voice model of Bourdain to effectively read an email in the tone of Bourdain's voice. The email was sent to Bourdain's friend and artist, David Cho, and viewers of the movie heard this AI approximation of Bourdain's voice say, my life is sort of shit now. You are successful and I am successful. And I'm wondering, are you happy? These are words that Bourdain never spoke aloud, 
but we hear him read them nonetheless. Some people are outraged about this digital resurrection for Bourdain, claiming that it violates some kind of basic human decency or breaches some implied respect for the dead. The director did check with those closest to Bourdain before using the machine-made audio. He is quoted as saying, I checked, you know, with his widow and his literary executor just to make sure people were cool with that. And they were like, Tony would have been cool with that. I wasn't putting words in his mouth. I was just trying to make them come alive. Hundreds of articles are being written about this. And I think we can all see the writing on the wall. Machine-made media that can replicate everything from a dead person's voice to their face and body movements at a level of accuracy so real we can't tell the difference is here. And it's been here for a while. Carrie Fisher was brought back after death to star in some of the most recent Star Wars movies. Paul Walker's face was posthumously added to the final scenes of Fast and Furious 7. Way back in 1994, Brandon Lee died on set while making a movie called The Crow, and they used computers to insert him back into that movie so they could finish it. So this has been going on for a long time already, but we're getting to the point where the technology is so good and relatively cheap that it can be used for something as seemingly insignificant as just a few lines of dialogue. Now, what do you think of this pace case? I think as long as you check with the family, it's fine with me. I don't see how it's negatively affecting if it's if they're cool with it. Yeah, I totally agree. But let's get into uh, situations where like the family may not be around. What if it's somebody who died 100 years ago? Mm-hmm. Is that free and clear? Are they public domain at a certain point? Certain people, I feel like, are. I know there's been like people recreating Abe Lincoln and stuff and like what his face with the colorized picture would look like etc and I feel like that's fine and they did a Tupac hologram at Coachella some years ago I remember that and that caused a similar kind of outrage like this is Mm. against his legacy and all this kind of stuff to me it's just like this is what's happening now get on board or be mad at it but like this ain't stopping because of the money from it to be able, the money that will be generated for like studios and networks and stuff to be able to use any actor that has ever existed in the history of time, it's just going to be easier to do than hiring actors, than having to deal with egos, than having to deal with writers. And like, do you want The Rock in your movie for $30 million? Or can you just license his face and body for like $5 million? Because he'll give you that if he has to do no work. It's cheaper to make the movie. Maybe it will have to start getting written into people's wills what you can do with my image. I think the days of intellectual property and even licensing voice and likeness type stuff, I think it's like on its way out. I think everything's just going to be fair game and no one's going to give a shit because ultimately it's going to be like the media is what matters. Can you make a compelling piece of media? And people's faces and voices are just kind of like they're like paints that a painter would use. They're just like filters, basically, you know. I think we're going to get to that point where people just won't care about it. Yeah, but I don't think you should be able to use someone's likeness without their permission and like put them in like porn and stuff. I mean, that's already happening like on a massive scale. Yeah, but I think that should be illegal. Right. But then how much do you have to tweak it to make it not The Rock? What if I change his nose by 10%? Is that still The Rock's likeness? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> what if I change it by the 15%? rock with a different nose? I'm going to say, yeah, <laughs> that, that I mean. crosses my threshold. It, it, 
It doesn't. It's have like to The be... Rock, but he skipped Leg Day. I still think that's The Rock. <laughs> First of all, The Rock would never skip Leg Day, so that's a drastic uh, yeah. difference. But I'm saying, like, what is that threshold percentage-wise? You like know. That. Eventually, they're going to get to some legal line where it's like it has to be this much percentage mm-hmm. difference, and who's making that distinction? And well, it already is know. like that, right? If you were to put someone's image on a T-shirt or something, say you were trying to create a Nick Vial T-shirt, and you needed it to be more of an artistic rendering than a realistic photo, right? You can make any kind of artistic rendering, I think. But yeah, you're right. You can't use somebody's likeness like a photograph of them or a video of them without their consent at this point in a for-profit media endeavor. You can use it in yeah. like the news or what, you know, that kind of shit. But we're sitting here. We're talking about AI-generated media and bringing the dead back to life. And you might be wondering, how does any of this relate to our beloved game? Well, Our beloved game has been putting words in people's mouths that they never said since March 25th, 2002. That's the original (laughs) air date of the first episode. Frankenbiting is just one more kind of rudimentary version of using an AI to simulate somebody's voice. It's cutting apart syllables and putting them together to form new words or cutting apart sentences and rearranging them to make new ones. It's the old era of audio manipulation. But as we march boldly into this brave new world of producers being able to generate any audio or eventually video, they need to serve their story. I think we're going to see exactly what happened with the Bourdain movie start to be utilized in our beloved game. I think it's likely that you're going to see and hear AI-aided dialogue within the next five seasons. They're going to have players self-eliminate, but then they will keep going in the show and be the ringwin. Literally anything, because there's you're going to be able to like see trends. Like Christian, for example, in this season, everybody fucking loves him, but we fucked up. They can just mm-hmm. make a new season where he makes it to the top four. There is something about like sports and reality TV that are different from scripted TV, though, I will say. And I think part of the draw of them is that we believe these are real people engaged in whatever these processes Mm -hmm. may be, the rules of whatever games they're playing. So I think it's going to, I don't know, these things are going to come to a head in some way. But definitely, if producers are willing to frankenbite you and your contract says you can do it, they're going to certainly be willing to fucking just type some shit into a computer and have your voice say it. 100% that's going to happen. And part of how we watch the game obviously has to do with being critical of what's real and what's a manipulation by the producers, everything from the concepts of dates and who gets roses down to the Frankenbites and the editing tricks. But when this technology gets so good that you can't tell the difference, where is that line between a reality show and just like a fully computer-generated piece of media Does that even matter to us if we can suspend our disbelief long enough? I mean, it's really like you're just looking at a fucking screen. You don't care who made what's on the screen. You don't care how it got made. It's just, does it entertain you? Do you want to keep watching it? That's really all that matters. Yeah. I mean, you have to suspend disbelief a little bit, at least in the reality shows that I watch, because they are somewhat loosely scripted. They're not hidden cameras capturing these people's real lives, but there are real moments. And I think that that is what I am watching them for. For instance, the first season of Vanderpump Rules, I don't think producers had any idea what they would unearth with that season. It's perfect television. It's unreal. 
Vanderpump Rules, Real Housewives, those types of reality shows where it's like they mm-hmm. just find some group of people and they're like, we're just going to follow you around. Kardashians are like that, obviously, as well. And yes, a lot of it is producer scripted. A lot of the scenarios they're in are not real. These have been literally manufactured mm-hmm. by producers just to get some kind of they're weird They're forced to go on vacations together. Right. Or throw parties like in Housewives. That eventually is going to be AI generated. I think you get, especially on those shows where producers have like almost complete control over what's going on and there's not really a game format. I think in those shows, you might see something like a little Michaela, like a completely AI generated character inserted into the show. At the same time, it's like some of the characters are so strong that it's like, I don't think an AI could come up with a... (laughs) For instance, Karen on Real Housewives of Potomac. I'm sorry. She's an icon. (laughs) And I think that is part of what draws me to these shows. (laughs) Can't be scripted. Like what they did with Bourdain to create this voice, by the way, is they fed this AI 12 hours of his audio recordings. And then the AI was able to mimic his voice exactly. Mm -hmm. So imagine feeding an AI Tierra Lacazzi. Courtney Robertson, Corinne Olympios, <laughs> all of the greatest uh-huh. fucking villains throughout history, and then saying, create something based on this. Give me that character. That's going to happen. That feels very far off. But I know for you, it feels imminent. It feels very far off for me. <laughs> China just printed the first quantum computing chip to go from like a room sized supercomputer down to a chip with traditional computing took us about 20 years with quantum computing it's taken us three shit is moving real fast real fast so maybe we'll get that that super villain in 20 years but are we even going to be watching this type of content anymore at that point i don't know what will the bachelor look like in 20 years i i mean i've said i think it'll outlive us but i think it will it will evolve it has to i agree And we're going to get to some news pieces that talk about what is happening with social media of our beloved game and stuff, which is super interesting. And I think the show is going in absolutely the wrong direction with it. But we will get to that. This has been State of the World. We hope whatever media you're ingesting, you're dealing with it, uh, or you're dealing with this new emergence of AI influence in it, because it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be in literally everything (laughs) you're watching and hearing. So get ready for it. And we hope that you're dealing with it as well as you can. Thank you for indulging our state of the world. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel because right now you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now we are going to move on to a segment where we discuss all of the movements of our players in this season of our beloved game on their social media accounts. This is... This Week in... Game. 
news. First up in gains, as always, we are going to discuss the ratings of this week's big game. The sixth episode pulled in a 0.85 again in the 18 to 49 year old demographic and approximately 3.5 million viewers. They were down about half a percent from last week. So a little bit of a slip backwards for the final week of the regular season. But as always, our beloved game still managed to dominate all other Monday night shows across network television. So it's still in that number one slot. And even though the numbers are dwindling, they are pulling in, comparatively speaking, the highest ad revenue that any show can pull in. So heading into the playoffs, we're hopeful that the ratings might tick up, although next week is the Mento All. You were right about that pace case. And uh, yes, I, I feel like pace case strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the Mento All is going to probably have the worst ratings of the entire season. That's just my personal view because those usually those shows do. I think dip. it often does. Yeah. By the way, what were you saying about the CW's ratings that they had a top show where only three hundred thousand people were watching? Yeah, it was three hundred and thirty. I forget what the show even was, but I was just looking at the ratings chart. Let me see if I can pull that up real quick. Yeah, at nine o'clock, the this is nine o'clock p.m. So obviously, right in the middle of when the Bachelor's airing. The CW runs a show called The Republic of Sarah. They ran a new episode this week. It got a point one, and it had 330,000 people watching it. That is extraordinary. Especially when you're just looking at these parasocial plays, and a lot of them have like 100,000 views, 300,000 views. It's like just as many people watched Mikey Planeta's postmortem video as watched that show on The CW. That's wild. And that show on the CW is like, it's successful enough for them that it's sticking around. They're selling ads in it. And I just the entire idea of network television marketing at this point, like you're saying, 330,000 people, that is a drop in the bucket to anyone in like the upper tiers of Bachelor Instagram, let alone actual influencers. So who the fuck is putting ads in this show for 330,000 people when they could spend that same money on a social media campaign that would have far more reach, far more engagement? People who are stuck in the past. (laughs) I think it happens. I think it's why you see, I was like, why are, like, across a lot of different podcasts, the same companies advertise? And I'm like, it's because companies haven't caught up to being like, oh, this reaches a, a large audience who are very um, connected and will do whatever these people say. Well, there's also like the network model of, in the same way podcast networks exist, right? So they'll sell block advertising that will just be pumped out through a a group of different podcasts. So the ones that get like no listens all the way up to the ones that get huge listens. An advertiser can say, we're going to pay you this amount of money. We want this commercial to run through whatever five of your podcasts that will generate total this many views network tv does the same thing so they will give ad buyers the ability to buy like a chunk of time basically to say like we will if you put in this amount of money we'll run this commercial this many times over the course of our prime time whatever whatever may be on so it's not like the advertiser saying like i want to advertise in the republic of sarah they're just going cw (laughs) 
is part probably also part of like some big kind of network or or cable package advertising deal and they're like you're going to get this many commercials across this much time and here's roughly what the cumulative ratings will be across all the shows that air in that time for us so they can give them a general idea of how many people will be viewing not necessarily specifically republic of sarah but ultimately networks obviously want as many shows in that block to have the highest ratings they can and that's how they charge the highest amount of money but i agree with you it's just like writings on the fucking wall in terms of bang for your buck with advertising social media is it i think network television yeah other than reality shows and sports is going to be dead like i don't think it's going to exist in 10 years scripted shows and stuff you know you also are much better able to target the ads on Instagram, et cetera. There's just all these different reasons why it's a better idea to me. But Advertising revenue, I, I don't think, will be in TV at all. Again, except for sports and reality TV. If network TV even still has that shit, because it's like, you can watch live sports on YouTube Live. You don't, or any other streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get your shows exclusively on streaming platforms. Nobody's fucking tuning in to watch network TV anymore. I don't know. It's an interesting time to be alive in terms of what's happening with our media. But Speaking of social media, our crown, Katie Thurston, last week on Twibbon, she was at 770,000 Instagram followers. She stayed pretty solid in gains this week, accruing 20K once again since that point, bringing her to 790K total. It looks like... My prediction that she will cross the million threshold by the end of the regular season was perhaps <laughs> inaccurate. While Clues predicted it would happen during the playoffs, I don't know if it will. I don't, I don't know. I don't either. I don't think it's going to. She has to fucking pull 200,000 followers in, I mean, I guess technically three weeks. Because we've got Mentel All, then it's Hometowns, then it's uh, mm. Fantasy Suites. But I don't know that she's going to see a bump on Mentel All. Will she? She'll be there. She'll have a couple of hot seat things, right? But, like, that's I not a huge week. She stayed pretty consistent between 20 and 30K each week in gains. And if you do three weeks of that, that's 90K. Unless there's some big thing yeah, that we can't predict, but... We shall see. Time will tell. We are, have also been tracking the TikTok followers of the players. The only one who has gained this week was Hunter Montgomery. He gained 1.1K TikTok followers, bringing him to 65.7K, probably for this video that we will cover in Parasocial Plays of the Week. And Thurston gained 2.5K this week, bringing her to 422,000 TikTok followers. Respectable. But now let's get into those top five Instagram gains for the players of this historic Bachelorette Season 17. The gold medal in games this week goes to Clay Harbor's cousin pro football player and english accent (laughs) aficionado andrew spencer spencer gained 62.1 thousand followers this week bringing him to 105k total for his double mvp status my play of the game group date mini date ll3 his ability to emotionally touch bash (laughs) 
Okay. I'm just going to read this as you've written it. This is hilarious. Okay. <laughs> his ability to emotionally touch bachelor clues for the first time in our beloved game's history with his sports death metaphors. His pace case play of the game Resurrection Kringle, which prompted a barefoot bachelor at postmortem Huju and his swan song heartbreak edit. He did touch me. I was an athlete. Uh, I have already died that first death. Now I'm just waiting for the second one. You'll live on forever in the AIs. The silver medal in gains goes to Jersey marketing sales rep Greg Grippo. He gained 36K this week, bringing his total to 238K for his continued use of shy style, his reiterated love level three on his one-on-one, extracting yet another love level three from Thurston, his fear of floppy fish, his kiss in the rain, his loaded love level four, and his close to 1.0 RQ. No, he does have a 1.0. His 1.0 RQ. <laughs> the bronze medal in gains goes to 36 year old ohio business owner slash widower slash package deal michael alio he gained 18.7 thousand followers this week bringing him into the 100k club at 101k total for his juice box package deal walls his continued use of 4trr love is all that matters shy style and his group date rose to propel him into the first round of playoffs the hometowns Remember when you said he would be a night one guy and I said, no clues, you're wrong? Yes, I do. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. You, very good prediction on your part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just checking in. Uh, fourth place in gains goes to San Diego gym owner, PVC player, Michael Mikey Planeta, a.k.a. Virgin Mike. He gained 15.5K followers, bringing him to 50.4K total for his drug lord tot. Being amenable to Cuddle Queen Jean, his fool edit full of motherly metaphors, and his STCO swan song exit bump. Congratulations, Planeta. And fifth place in gains goes to 30-year-old wildlife manager Blake Moines. He gained 14,000 followers this week bringing him to 221,000 total for his strategizing against Grippo, LL4ing Brendan, his first responder status, his black box art piece, most likely either a penis ejaculating or a vagina giving birth, his hometown's motherly future casting, and that all-important first flower. Honorable mention goes out to Columbia, Illinois, math teacher and musician Connor Brennan, a.k.a. the Catman, a.k.a. Mr. Cloud9. Despite not being in the document this week, he gained 13.9K this week, bringing him to 69.6K total. Nice for his swan song heartbreak edit, exit bump, and his Bachelor in Paradise announcement bump. And so the top five overall chart for today, 7-21-21, we record on Wednesdays, as you might know. It goes as follows. Greg Grippo is at the top of the list. He did indeed overtake Blake Moines. Grippo has 238K, 
Moines is in the second place position with 221k. Andrew Spencer, new to the top five, makes his debut with 105k. Welcome to that 100k club, Mr. Spencer. Michael Alio sitting at 101k, as we mentioned. And, of course, Connor the Catman B. He has 69.6 thousand followers. We say goodbye to Christian Smith from this top five list. Though he went home at the third row ceremony, he is finally no longer with us in this rarefied air, but he does take home 54.3 thousand followers. That is the top five gains as we head into playoffs. We wish all players good luck and can't wait to see what they can do with the rest of this 17th season of The Bachelorette. We are seeing no gains for our beloved hosts, Tasha Adams and Caitlin Bristow, stagnating at 1.8 million and 1.9 million apiece. We are covering these gains in kind of rounded numbers, but I did look on Bachelor Data's Instagram. If you guys haven't seen Bachelor Data, you should obviously go to it. It's fantastic. And she covers them down to like the the very minuscule gains and shit. Their movement Mm. is like in the hundreds, like a hundred followers and shit. It's, I don't understand it. Like literally nothing. Caitlin Bristow and Tardik were on a full fucking date. They did crazy shit in that date. Her Huju in that date was magnificent. I don't quite understand why they're getting literally no movement. Maybe it's like anyone who would possibly have followed them already has. I don't know. And there's just like a bleed off when you're at the, those high numbers. There's a constant bleed off that you're fighting against. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. We wish them luck. I would love to see either one of them or both of them crack into that 2 million club because the yeah. more players we can get in the 2 million club, the healthier our beloved game is. We want all of the players <laughs> in our beloved game to be giant Instagram influencers with as many followers as they can get. So we hope that they'll be able to get there somehow, some way. Maybe men tell all if they're hosting. Oh, yeah. Who the fuck is hosting? I bet it is them. I don't know. I don't either. There's been no news about it. But that wraps up this weekend gains. Now it is time for us to bring you all those juicy tits. This is Bachelor Nation News. First up this week in Bachelor Nation News are some very important upcoming dates that have been revealed. The finale of historic season 17 of The Bachelorette will air August 9th. Then we get a week off before Bachelor in Paradise Season 7 premieres on August 16th. We don't know what the airing schedule of BIP will be just yet, but we can report that Bachelor in Paradise Season 6 aired 13 episodes over the course of seven weeks with Monday and Tuesday night episodes for most of that season. So if that schedule is repeated and Bachelor in Paradise 7 runs for seven weeks, October 4th would be the last air date, which would give us two weeks off before what would be a Tuesday premiere for Michelle Young's Bachelorette Season 18 on October 19th, which is a Tuesday. So it looks like Bachelorette Tuesdays will be back this fall, possibly making it even more difficult for Michelle Young to pull in high ratings. The decision to produce two seasons of Bachelorette back-to-back essentially has created this moment in Bachelor history without a true off-season, and we don't know how it's going to affect the fourth audience. All sports need an off-season to let their fourth audience rest and build enthusiasm for the next season, to miss the game they love and yearn for its return. 
we are not being granted that fourth audience <laughs> right this year by the producers. And we wonder if it will have a detrimental effect on not only Michelle Young's ratings, but possibly even Bachelor season 26, which will air only a few weeks after Young's season concludes. Speaking of the fourth audience, we are in the news this week for starting a very important petition. Petitions have served as the fourth audience's most important form of protest and or support in the past year, and we believe they've been instrumental in pressuring the game to take steps forward towards inclusivity and representation. Well, this week, the fourth audience is displaying that we can also use petitions to demand transparency. Currently at change.org, a petition exists titled Petition to get an uncensored picture of what Blake Moynes painted at, on The Bachelorette. As of recording, the petition to see Moynes's semen artwork has 1904 signatures. Doesn't look like this one will have the explosive power necessary to burst through to the producers. But you never know, it could be a grower and not a shower. Time will tell, but we salute our fellow members of the fourth audience in this all-important endeavor to reveal Moines' artistic tribute to ejaculation or giving birth, which is my theory. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jason Tardick is also in the news this week for his defense <laughs> of his wife-to-be, the female goat, Caitlin Bristow. Just a week after Bristow herself took to Twitter to defend herself against a fourth audience attack centered on the way she looks, Tardik issued a supportive statement on the Bachelor Nation podcast, Clickbait. He said, I don't know why people think it's okay to say the shit they do on Twitter. There's so many things in the world we can control, and there's so many things we can't control. Our looks and things like that are most of the things we can't control. And the way that people make comments, nasty comments about people's appearances, and obviously specifically I'm referring to Caitlin, it's just... It's grotesque. It's a joke. I just don't see why people have to do that. The other thing is, I honestly feel like it's more the fact that it's usually women putting other women down that is just insane. The soon-to-be Mr. Bristow remarked that no one ever talked that way about Chris Harrison, about the way he looked as he aged, and he added, Oh, she's aged? Well, yeah, we all fucking age. We all age. We all die. That's inevitable. Well, we don't actually die anymore, Jason. We simply become digital. <laughs> but the sentiment is noted, and we want to congratulate you for defending your fiancé and pushing back against the darker side of the fourth audience, which, in recent years, has been problematic, to say the least. Good for Tardic. Such a good cheerleader. I'm, I continue to be impressed by what he is doing. Same. The 20th Bachelor, Ben Higgins, is in the news this week. Higgins is currently dealing with some mental health issues, which he discussed on Trista Sutter's podcast, Better Etc. The two-time Love Level 4-er love opened up <laughs> about moving back to Indiana after suffering what he described as a breakdown. He went on to admit he didn't know what the next season of his life looked like as he continued to become further removed from our beloved game. Higgins described the benefits of putting his life in the hands of his personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and said that he's enjoying spending time with his equally Christian fiance, Jessica Clark, as he recoups. Back in March, Higgins revealed that he'd secretly battled a painkiller addiction, which was brought on by a bout of extreme loneliness. 
He described what he was going through by saying, people only were giving me attention now in my life because of my experience on a show. That honestly felt like it was diminishing a lot of my life and a lot of things I was pursuing because I was getting attention for being on a show. Higgins recently appeared on the Bachelor Party podcast with Juliet Littman to discuss some of the worst psychological effects caused by the producer's machinations during his season, which we will be covering in a Digging Deeper episode this Monday. We never like to see any players from our beloved game suffering, or anyone else for that matter, and wish Higgins a speedy recovery from all that ails him, and we thank him for openly discussing this very personal experience. I think so many people look up to Higgins and like him sharing this, his struggles with mental health will do a lot of good. Could not agree more. He is maybe only behind Sean Lowe as the best bachelor of all time. I think people truly feel that way about him. And to hear him Mm -hmm. not only opening up about his struggles with mental health, but as it relates to his experience in the show, I think is fascinating. And that kind of stuff really needs to be opened up more so that we can get to a point where the producers can't just railroad people. They can't just fucking do whatever they want to them, that there are consequences and you see the fallout from it. And maybe if more players talk about it like Ben Higgins is doing, that might actually change in the future. But speaking of the control producers have over all players, (laughs) finally in Bachelor Nation news this week, Hello, Sheila's. We are going down <laughs> under for our last piece of news. <laughs> Bachelor Australia. Beautifully done. Thank you. Bachelor Australia Is has that Popeye? been. What's that? I thought I heard Popeye for a second. Yeah, that was my best Popeye. Hello, Sheila's. Bachelor Australia has been something of a testing ground for the American version of our beloved game. We covered a story earlier this year about the next Australian bachelorette, Brooke Blurton, who is the first pansexual lead in franchise history anywhere in the world. And now the Aussies are breaking new ground once again with an experimental social media strategy that, if successful, might very well be implemented right here on American soil. A new clause has been added to Australian players' contracts that is being called a social media amendment, which amounts to a social media gag order. Channel 10, the Australian equivalent of ABC, will oversee and control the players' Instagram accounts for two and a half months while their season is airing. Players must sign over their accounts and passwords to Warner Brothers and Channel 10 for the duration of airing. In return, players will receive $5,000, and the show will guarantee them a blue checkmark. Currently, several players in the upcoming season now display the following statement in their Instagram biographies. In quotes, This account is currently managed by a third party on behalf of, player's name, from July 7th, 2021. Participant on hashtag The Bachelor Australia Season 9 Rose Emoji. Reportedly, comments will be turned off and DMs will be open only to accounts the players themselves follow. Many former players have responded positively to the change, citing hateful and threatening messages and comments they've received from the fourth audience as a result of their time in game. This move will obviously help the show control what information gets out into the world by way of possible spoilers, but it also gives them full control over what kind of identities they'll be promoting for the players. 
There would, for example, be no possibility of a lead or a player counteracting a fool or villain edit like we saw with Hunter Montgomery in the current season of The American Bachelorette. We don't know if this new social media clause will be applied to the American game, but the producers here in the States must be salivating over the possibility to have such overwhelming control of all players' digital lives. So we have talked quite a bit on our program here about the producers trying to control what players are doing on social media, certainly as a result of what happened in Bachelor season, Bachelorette Season 16 with Claire Crawley essentially ending the game super early because she had fallen in love with Dale Moss through his Instagram account. And now we're seeing in Season 17 that they seem to have a completely lax policy on social media. Kitty Thurston is posting all kinds of shit every day. The other players are posting all kinds of shit every day. We're going to get to some of it in mm-hmm. parasocial plays of the week. So I don't quite know exactly where the American show stands, but they're aware of this for sure. And this is happening. I think Bachelor Australia season nine is, is airing now or like in the next week. So all of these players have given over their cell phones. They've turned in their fucking Instagram passwords and producers are now making posts for them. It's pretty wild. I'm very curious to see how this plays out. I can definitely see them translating it to the American version, except guess what? You have to do this in order to get on the show. We're not going to pay you 5K, et cetera. They don't need to. People will still sign up. Yeah. I don't know how the the contract in Australia works. I think the $5,000 was just kind of like a show of good faith. You know, that it's like, I know this is, we're asking a lot of you to give up your social media, but it's also like, or don't go on the show. Of course, everyone would sign that over. Literally everyone. Yeah. So I, I agree that they Blue have... Blue checkmark seems worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can I go on The Bachelor? <laughs> but this is huge news, I feel like, because it's such a drastic shift. And I feel like in the wrong direction. The show should not be looking to have more control over player social media. They should be looking for ways to give the players 100% control of their own social media. Because it only helps to amplify the game. The more players exactly. post the bigger the game will be. If all you're seeing from players' social media accounts during the airing of their show is like corporate-approved fucking the little pictures, videos, and promos that they put out and shit like that, who gives a fuck? You're not going to get any new followers or anything off of that. No, and they'll probably be uniform. It's not like they're going to have someone creating all this content for them. I mean, that's what they should do if they are going to do this is have the person like create a bunch of stuff beforehand to submit that they can dole out as they go. But it's also fucking crazy. Like whatever kind of plans they have for these players in the show, whatever narratives they're drumming up, they can use their social media to support those fucking narratives in ways that the players can't argue against. If they accept that money, sign that contract, the producers have controlled their shit for two and a half months, period. They could be posting yeah. all kinds of crazy crap. Who knows what's going to happen? They'll just post photos of Mike, Mikey Planeta and his mom. It'll just be that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, they could do that. And I don't, find, I don't think that's out of their own possibility. I think that we understand, I think that Katie Thurston understands, is that... I'll, the tide lifts all boats, you know, with this stuff. And like the more followers all of these players have, the better for the show. And again, these parasocial plays that we're seeing this week, several of them 
are sort of counteracting edits, but they're getting a lot of traction. They're getting a lot of hits. And I do think it only fuels the narratives. It only fuels the discussion on the forums, etc. <laughs> I agree. So that was a perfect transition. Let's wrap up Bachelor Nation News. And now we're going to move on to all of those plays that we were just talking about these players making who have control over their own social media still here in the United States of America. <laughs> this is... The parasocial play, 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 play of the week. There was a flurry of parasocial plays this week, so much that it made our heads spin. But we love to see it. First up, several season 24 players, including Victoria Paul, Lexi Buchanan, Natasha Parker, Victoria Fuller, and even Madison Deadleg Pruitt. <laughs> I had to. Herself. Sorry. All showed. This is a reference to her hoochies. They all showed up in Bristow Country. That's Nashville. Love that. For Sydney Hightower's bachelorette party, which produced a hurricane of collabs across all social media. We love to see players sticking together, even over a year after their season ended, to show some parasocial love to one another. And the victim of the second rose ceremony of this season, John Horsey, capitalized on a hangout with the very person who eliminated him, Katie Thurston. Thurston showed him some post-play parasocial love by posting a short clip of their hangout to her Instagram stories this week, and we were left wondering if a lead has ever posted evidence of a hangout with a dismissed player as their season is still airing. I don't think so. Katie Thurston continues to change the parasocial game every fucking week. Say what you will about her. I know some people don't like her as Bachelorette and stuff. I'm not one of those people. But what she's doing parasocially is fucking changing everything. It's fascinating. It's fascinating to watch. She's like left and right. She's propping up every single one of her players, it seems. Well, not every single one, but many of them. Including... Our third parasocial play, Hunter Montgomery, posted a short pass-the-phone TikTok video in which he, Trey, Michael A., Garrett, John Hersey, and Mikey P. sit at a dark outdoor table. They describe each other and pass the phone to the next one. The video has 693.8K views, 62K likes, and 634 comments. We believe this video earned Hunter his first TikTok bump, first major TikTok bump of the season, 1.1K, after he had been gaining about 100 followers every week before that. When did this really start? Like players in a current season hanging out with each other as that season's airing and posting massive social media about it. Was it 25? Was it the women of 25? Were they doing it? Like when did the New York move start to happen? Well, we saw the men from Clayshaw's season hanging out. During um, the season, yeah. Specifically Dr. Joe. Right. Because, like, the women of 24 didn't do this. The four horsewomen and shit, that didn't happen until well after the season was mm-hmm. over. To my knowledge, anyway. To my memory. I could be wrong, but I, it, this feels recent to me. It feels like the bubble seasons have really produced these tight-knit crews of players who are doing social media while their season is airing. 
Yeah, it's hard to remember because it's like I know there were like uh Lexi Buchanan, she was in a dynamic duo with someone, right? I don't remember. Natasha, maybe? Um Whatever the case, this all feels very recent. And again, it's just an indication of the social media game changing right around this time. The bubble season's effect on our beloved game. Another pair of social play we wanted to mention was Package Deal, Shy Style Connoisseur Michael Alio posted a 2 minute and 30 second video to his Instagram TV titled Clarification on this week's episode. He speaks directly to camera to clarify his line in this week's game about, in quotes, taking care of his in-laws. He says that he and his in-laws, as well as a network of people, take care of each other in many different ways since his wife passed away. The video has 58,135 views, 9.9K likes, and 395 comments. And this is just another example of a player undercutting what the producers are trying to do, giving you the full story, the things you didn't get to see in the show. Speaking of things we didn't get to see in the show, Dylan Barber... Clay Harbor, Baylock Eye, and Hannah G reunited in Vegas last Thursday. The group all posted parasocial collabs to Instagram stories and some to main grids. The best parasocial submission came from spin extraordinaire Baylock Eye, who posted a picture in which Barber is on top of Godwin in the pool and Baylock Eye is on top of both of them in a three-person piggyback ride. The caption reads, Thruple goals, laughing, crying emoji, hashtag who would have thought, hashtag three is a crowd, hashtag it only took two years at Westgate Vegas. The post has 58.6K likes and 283 comments. Always good to see the gang from Bachelor in Paradise Season 6 back together again. These are like the all-stars of that season, basically, hanging all over each other in a pool in Vegas. And on a more serious parasocial note, Courtney Mixon makes our list this week. He is a player who was in both my and Pace Case's Final Four based off his Instagram. He posted an eight-minute, seven-second video to his Instagram TV a couple of days ago in which he speaks directly to camera, intercut with a slideshow of pictures, and addresses a question he has received a lot in his DMs, which is, when Thurston eliminated him, did she say she was proud of him? He tells a story of a PTC which was cut from the show, detailing his last day with his mother, who encouraged him to finish his college education and helped him pack up to go back to school. He then shares that she died of suicide and that he wanted to talk about it because he's seen the power of other players sharing their stories to help other people. He chokes up in the video and he pulls tears from Pace Case. The video has 180,734 views and 5.4K likes. And this is an excellent example of contemporary players not allowing the show to dictate how and when they are going to play some of their most powerful plays. The story that he's sharing about his mom is incredibly hard to share, is incredibly brave for him to put this out on the internet, and Mm -hmm. it just, it paints his character in a way that we didn't quite get to see in the show. So when he does get dismissed, and she does say, I'm proud of you. You're like, what? What the fuck is she talking about? It raises a question in your mind. You know there's something more. And here he's delivering the explanation of what that meant. I mean, we didn't get to see any of it. We only saw his like toilet paper games and stuff. And I remember saying on this show, 
why I expected more from his mini dates. Why didn't he play a PTC or whatever? And it turns out he did, and they didn't air it. Another player who undercuts his edit this week was Mikey Planeta. He posted a 13-minute direct-to-camera Instagram TV video thanking the first, second, and fourth audiences. He talks about how he's loved the feedback and the funny memes he's gotten from being on the show, as well as the heartfelt stories that people have shared with him. But then he goes on to criticize the third audience without directly naming them, but by discussing the outfit, quote-unquote, they put him in, as well as making it look like he was obsessed with his mom. He loved Level 4s, the fourth audience, and says he's going to respond to everything people have messaged him. He loved Level 4s, the second audience, saying he didn't know how much he needed this brotherhood, and he thanks the first audience for her honesty and emotional intelligence. This video has 317,028 views, 14,145 likes, and 831 comments. That's more than a CW show. <laughs> it's, this fucking play floored me. This is high-level parasocial power. Not only is he undercutting the third audience, he's complimenting the fourth audience, which is primarily who social media is made for. It's us watching, and he understands he's now transitioning into that secondary phase of his involvement with our beloved game. He might be on Paradise, but he's primarily going to try to be an influencer now, and doing stuff like this is exactly what you have to do. I thought this was brilliant, and it would have been our parasocial play of the week. But there was one other shining <laughs> moment of brilliance that got the award. Our winner for Parasocial Play of the Week goes to Ashley and Jared Iaconetti for announcing their pregnancy via Amazon Live, complete with all the products they are using during the pregnancy. We saw that they had done SpawnCon for their pregnancy journey, and we have seen players use SpawnCon in their baby announcements before, but this is the first time, to our knowledge, that the SpawnCon has been so extensive and corporate. They talked about how Ashley I was sick almost constantly through this video and how no products were working for her. They discussed the pregnancy for about 30 minutes. Then they just get into literally an hour of showing you everything they have bought complete with links to those things, backpacks, strollers, baby bottles, all this stuff. And this is going to go on through the entire pregnancy. This was just the first episode of basically what's going to be a series of these Amazon live shows they're going to do. And all of these products are paying them to be mentioned in this live stream. It's fascinating. Cause did you watch this video? I did. I watched it all. The hour and a half? Yeah. It was just oh them sitting God. at a table. That should be your scream. Talking about these things. I, no, I, I enjoyed it because it's like market research. Amazon Live, for those of you who don't know, is basically you can partner with Amazon and live stream whatever products you want. And then you get a little kickback if you sell those products, but also those products, the manufacturers can reach out to you directly and be like, we'll pay you X amount of dollars to put our shit in your Instagram Live. It's essentially like a kind of... Uh, an influencer or personalized home shopping network where you're just watching the person mm -hmm. you're interested in and they're selling you shit. It's absolutely fascinating. I think this is the direction all social media is going to go. Every, like even Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Instead of just hashtagging, being like, oh, here's my product. There's going to be a link to it. Everything, basically, all social media, you're going to have this ability to make it a personalized home shopping channel for whatever the shit is that you're interested in. And this is the first time we've really seen a Bachelor player do something like this with the biggest company in the world. I mean, 
it's just another level. They're at another level. Especially to see this on the same week that Bezos is launched into space in a giant penis. It was just, it was dystopian for sure. <laughs> that is the existence we are living in. But uh, along with that news, that dystopian, horribly bleak outlook for humanity, we have a kind of cute <laughs> parasocial creature of the week here. So maybe this will it'll bring a smile to your face. The world's not that bad because Blake Moines rescued a long-tailed <laughs> duck. He posted a series of Instagram stories on Monday featuring this long-tailed duck sitting in his lap and sitting in the passenger seat of his car where the duck saw fit to take a shit or two. He found this duck sitting in the middle of the road and taught us a little something about the nature of wild ducks, that they can sometimes mistake roads for lakes or other bodies of water, which I did not know. Congratulations to this bird on being rescued by Blake Moines, and congratulations to Blake Moines for rescuing this bird, whether it is real or not. (laughs) We'll never know. But that wraps up all those luscious parasocial plays from this week. This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh. That is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com slash smart for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. And now it's time for Pace Case and I to cut the rope and fall straight down to the bottom of the pit where we will issue forth our screams. This is Screams from the Pit. My scream from the pit this week has to do with the most important piece of literature in our lifetimes, How to Win the Bachelor, <laughs> our book. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we are still doing line edits on this document, getting it into pristine shape, ready for the fourth audience. And this weekend, I read a couple paragraphs to a writer friend of mine to try to make sure the flow of this particular section was working. And this friend was not in the pit, had never watched a Bachelor franchise show. But later this week, she came back to me and told me that she went and watched the first episode of Katie Thurston's season. So I realized that in working on this project, we thought, you know, we're laying out all the data for all of our Bachelor friends, a pit document through and through, but I realized that we are doing, we have done something much worse, which is that we wrote a blueprint for how to drag people into the pit. (laughs) Much worse? (laughs) How dare you? That's better. (laughs) This is fantastic. What have we created? I don't know. So 
this friend of yours had never seen The Bachelor. She listens yeah. to you read two paragraphs of this and is now watching The Bachelorette for the first time ever. Yeah. To be fair, I don't know if it's the power of the words or it's the power of friendship or just, you know, boredom, needing a new show. But I was inspired by this uh this result. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> this is great. We're basically unleashing a virus on an unsuspecting American population. <laughs> oh my God. Vaccinate yourself quick. The there is, is no vaccination for this. This disease is going to get everybody. <laughs> I think it's great. I, that's very encouraging to me because I'm so close to the mm-hmm. book too. Like as you are, it's like I don't... I have no idea. You like, don't know I, how it comes off to people who have never watched. Exactly. And I know we've had other drafts that were like hardcore pit paper drafts where it's like nobody yeah. is fucking getting <laughs> understanding this book unless you're spending like fucking 10 hours a day thinking about The Bachelor. And I think we've done a good job of making it more palatable to a kind of general audience. But this shit is fucking some other level shit that it's like it encouraged someone who's never watched the show to fucking start watching it. I like this yeah, very much. I, I, I feel like we had a little taste of it with the podcast of like some of my friends have listened who have never watched the show before and have subsequently gotten more into the show. But hmm. well, congratulations. Yeah. I loved this screen. This screen was music to my fucking ears. I hope this <laughs> happens quite often. In fact, I feel like you love all my screams You're like yes, scream louder. We, you know, when we first started doing the screams and even when we just first started doing this podcast, there was a big piece of me that was like, what am I doing with my life? Why are we really doing this? That shit died a long mm-hmm. time ago. I'm just fucking in mm-hmm. it now. And anything yeah. that is like the deeper we go or there's some uh, evidence of a result of something we've done, broadening the pit, sucking more people in. I love mm-hmm. it. It's more joyful and less uh, existential dread at this point. <laughs> exactly. I've just given in to the fact that like all the things we say in terms of like philosophically what the show represents and that it's a reflection of America and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, that's all true. And so if we keep watching mm-hmm. it, the nature of being complicit is like you have to find joy in this shit somehow because like truly hate watching anything is just not fun to me you know i have to accept Mm -hmm. what this show is i have to accept our relationship with it and i have to find some way to be happy about that i have to (laughs) at this point i don't think i've ever hate watched anything like the only movie i ever walked out of was spider-man 3 because i just (laughs) thought it was really bad and i just left and i I I, if i had continued to watch the end i guess i would have been hate watching right I'm not, t- I mean, like, there's some things that I watch that I know are actively bad, but I'm entertained by how bad they are. I wouldn't call that hate watching. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, watching bad movies is kind of a new subgenre unto itself after The Room came out in the early 2000s. But I'm talking about, yeah. like, knowing the bad shit is in this and watching it and being like, oh, fuck this show. They do all these fucking things. They're, like, mm-hmm. that flares up in me from time to time. But when we're talking about, like, our relationship with it, in the beginning, it used to be like, those bad things. You had to swallow them down to keep watching. I'm just like, fuck it. Full embrace now. This is what it is. And we can talk about changing it. And I hope that it does change and all that shit. But like for me to enjoy it, I have to just accept it. And what you're talking about with this book is like, fuck it. We're dragging other people into this. Like your friend's going to be fucking complicit Mm -hmm. within a month, I would say. Once you start somebody down the path of watching The Bachelor, I don't know anybody 
who's been able to like dip their toe in and be like, yeah, it didn't really have an effect on me. You get sucked in immediately. Just the format of the show. You're like, well, I want to see what happens. I want to see who makes it far. I want to see who she picks. Yeah, the nature of the game. Who's going to win the fucking game? There's inherent drama mm-hmm. in that. So congratulations on this scream. I think it's beautiful, and I welcome your friend to the pit. <laughs> I hope she enjoys her stay, which will be for the rest of her life. My scream this week has to do with, I guess it's more of a fantasy, I'll say. I saw the social media being done by the players of season 24, where they were attending Sydney Hightower's bachelorette party in Bristow country. And I started thinking Mm -hmm. to myself, you know, what would it be like to have a parasocial team like that? Are we ever going to fucking experience it? Because you see players from every season doing it now, whether it's the women going Mm -hmm. to New York from season 25, it's the women from season 24. Uh, We had another parasocial play that we didn't even mention this week. A bunch of fucking guys from this season went skydiving together and produced a whole bunch of social media of it. It's having these groups of people that clearly, in our case, in our beloved games case, they're all linked through The Bachelor. They were all on a season together or whatever. And they show up in each mm-hmm. other's social media. They go to these events. And I was just like, fuck, that would actually be kind of fun. I would like to make social media with friends. a team. <laughs> How dare you? you some social fucker. media friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just like, what would it be like this to is have a friends? I and a fantasy. What is friendship like? What would it um, be like to have friends? Not friends. But exactly. Who can play catch with you? I will play catch with you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm waiting for that day to happen. I meant more like, what would it be like to have a group of people that we are connected to through a common experience that we could make social media about that experience or somehow exploit the nature of the relationship in a parasocial capacity? And I started mm-hmm. dreaming of this fantasy that you and I would somehow create a parasocial team from various members of the fourth audience because these people already exist and we're kind of doing it through the podcast. Jenna from date card pod, I think is part of it. We've got definitely Juliet Littman from happy hour. Maybe Amy Kaufman who wrote bachelor nation. It's these people from the fourth audience who are commenting on the beloved game, who are producing media Mm -hmm. of their own in service of that commentary. I think we all share a very common experience in doing this strange thing that we're doing, that we've been at some point compelled into action enough so that we are creating books, podcasts, YouTube channels, all this kind of stuff. Bachelor fan take, Dave Neal. Bachelor data. Bachelor data. There is a tier of people in the fourth audience now who I think are doing parasocial work that is very linked. Certainly it's linked to The Bachelor. That's the thing that's making us all do it. But I think our experiences are similar enough that we could potentially form a kind of fourth audience parasocial team. Go skydiving. Yeah, fuck it. Let's go skydiving (laughs) with Bachelor data. Set it up. Yeah, she can tell us who went the fastest. <laughs> she's got a laptop as she's skydiving, just like fucking putting yeah, all the she's definitely numbers got a laptop. in a grid. There's a pie chart at the end with who plummeted to the earth first. Anyway, I was just saying, I, I constantly am seeing these bachelor Date card pod it. has a dildo in hand as she dives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think there is a near future, hopefully, 
where something like this could happen. And we know like Brett Vergara has probably taken it the furthest. He has taken his fourth audience status and now mm. he's sucked up into the actual player pool, it seems like. He's hanging out with these yeah. people and doing parasocial media with them and all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't know. I hope that this can happen. It became an interesting fantasy for me. And then I also felt crazy when I just was thinking about mm -hmm. it. I was like, what am I actually doing? Why, how long am I going to think about this? How many minutes of this day are going to be spent <laughs> fucking <laughs> putting together this You know where we weird... need to do it. What's that? You know where we need to do this, uh, this big reunion of parasocial content. Of course I do. Stage coach. Yeah. <laughs> Look, blanket invite. Pace Case and I are, I'm like 95% sure we're going to be at this next stage coach. Trying to interview players, <laughs> trying to interview anybody who's there about Bachelor, whatever. So blanket invitation. Any fourth audience members who want to come to stage coach. Let's get it. Let's start rolling out our parasocial plays mm -hmm. at Stagecoach. I'm going to be wearing a giant Will cowboy hat. Will you be totting? Hat. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Yes. <laughs> giant cowboy hat. Giant belt buckle. Boots. Cowboy shirt. I'm going Wait, like an oversized stagecoach. cowboy hat. Well, no. Like just, you're a little baby. No. Like a, a normally... <laughs> all cowboy hats are fucking big. Like none of them look right on a person's head. But I'll be wearing okay. a normal size cowboy hat. For me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll taught as well. Gotta blend in. That's how we're gonna get the real good stuff. Yeah. I may even do, you know, an homage to my my home world, the source, Dallas, Texas, and put on a little southern accent, a little twang for you. Oh wow. Yeah, that'll help us get the good interviews. Baylock Kai, come you. on over here. Now you've been to stage a <laughs> time or two. Why don't you go ahead and tell us how it works around these parts? Something like that. <laughs> Wait, so are we all putting on characters for this and fake no. beards to get this content? That's, me. That's just how I sound if I speak in the dialect of the source. That's all. Wow. Wow. I mean, I feel like we have to do it now. Well, look, I'm, I'm serious about this. I do want to do this. So we'll see what happens. But thank you for indulging our screams from the pit. And thank you for coming along with us this Thursday for this week in Bachelor Nation. We hope you have had a fun ride. And before we go, we have a little bit of business. We've been getting a couple of DMs about Franco Lacosta. <laughs> All right. So we love Franco Lacosta, of course. There was some exchange that happened between Franco and our Game of Roses account in which Franco said that he loved our <laughs> podcast and can't wait to do another interview with us. We have to set uh, this record straight. I am not sure why he thinks that we did an interview with him, but we did not ever interview Franco LaCosta. It has not happened. <laughs> I think he thought that our podcast was Mike and Brian's podcast. Yes. Page. That is totally I don't know, possible. But just to be clear, we have not done this interview. We would love to. Yeah. But... It has not happened. There are no secret Franco Lacosta tapes. <laughs> and uh, we, we honestly don't know. Our best guess is that he thought it was this other podcast, the Mike and Brian one. But we have no idea. We wish Franco well wherever he is, whatever he's doing. I'm sure it's fabulous. And hopefully we will get to interview him. But we have not yet. And don't forget, you can pick up our Do You Hooju t-shirt at bonfire.com slash hooju 
And we really love people have been sending in their Hooju tapes to Game of Roses pod. Very entertaining to watch. But be careful out there. Some people are Hoojooing their moms and stuff, and I I think they need to be careful. (laughs) We're going to start seeing Hooju-related injuries coming in. Yeah. God, I hope not. It's harder than it looks. So be careful out there. And as always, before we go, what is that Dwabat? It has been 7,059 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.